Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. This is the place to learn how to get through your worst rock bottom and start to embrace adversity. I'm your host, Petra Belzebor. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but my biggest learning is from my own rock bottom. My story includes being raised in a cult, dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and alcoholism. But along the way, I've learned to turn my entire life around to one of success, joy, and fulfillment. So in this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life who've done the same. I'll be teasing out the skills and tools necessary, as well as using my own experience to teach you how to turn your adversity into your biggest advantage. Welcome, everyone, to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm very excited today. In my living room, I've got Matt Ellison. He's a, a music teacher, a speaker, is passionate about so many things. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Thanks for coming. Um, so fill in the blanks for, for us. What are you passionate about in, in life and the work that you do at the moment? Okay, well, first off, I guess what I should mention is that I'm transgender. Yeah. So female to male. Yeah. Um, transitioned about four years ago. <clears throat> so still relatively new. Yeah. Since I'm 43 years old. Yeah. Um, and in terms of passion, I guess... I spent four decades of my life hiding this, being scared of it, very scared of it, or what others would think. And then doing it, realizing my dream, having it come true and thinking, whoa, this is amazing. But seeing that there's still so much negativity towards transgender people, obviously it's moving forward and most people are absolutely great, but there's still a lot more work to do. And a lot of it is just lack of education. So I think people just seeing other transgender people and interacting and hearing their stories is is just going to help move things forward basically so it's so powerful and you're right it is often ignorance isn't it people just don't know how to talk about something so maybe they avoid the topic completely and then the stigma stuff comes out yeah yeah or just people that don't know someone um the a lot of what i see online when when people are sort of phobic or negative it's just really really clear that it's coming from a place of uh, like non-education that they don't they just don't understand it they don't get it and so is that part of your yeah. purpose or passion yeah. to just help yeah, educate definitely. people yeah and so I'm of course I'm so curious about <laughs> what did you say four decades of yeah. kind of living with this secret or, or maybe some people uh, knowing about it but or that journey just to getting to this place of living your dream yeah. so I'm feeling that there's a happy ending already because you're, yeah, you're in a beautiful place and it's <laughs> yep. great to to have you here so um, give us a little bit of context just about your childhood and um, the context of growing up and your parents and the education system I mean probably a bit of a difficult question but do you think they prepared you for the journey that you eventually went on um not with this journey, no, because no. <laughs> obviously it didn't touch on it. No. So there was nothing there. And in fact, in terms of growing up and education and childhood, it hindered it massively. Not necessarily, not, not anybody's fault in terms of education and stuff, sure. but just society back then, how it was. I soon learned as a little kid that the things I, I said, so I mentioned it when I was five, I know I was five. Um, I could talk about that a bit later if you want, but... Um, <laughs> And the reactions that I got just made me realise, whoa, okay, that's not right, that's not normal, that's freaky or whatever you want to call it. So I shut up about it. I literally just, my barriers went up, boom, and I wasn't looking at it. That's from a really young age. First of all, that you 
were aware of, of your experience that. and yeah, yeah it sounds literally. like yeah that was your whole experience yeah. of, of knowing yourself and who you were yeah yeah and so interesting that, that it starts so early that the walls begin to build up if we don't think that what we say will be accepted yeah. i mean what yeah. do you remember about that time i'm curious um well what happened was i thought at the age of six it just the that age seemed like a boy's age so i thought on my sixth birthday i'd wake up and be a boy which is what i'd yearned for for years before that even. yeah and so I, that's why i know i was five I remember it very clearly. And I remember saying to my family and stuff, oh, on my birthday, I'm going to be a boy. Mm. And they're just like, no. And like I said, I can't actually remember their reactions, but I just remember, it's like, I know memories are false. Yeah, yeah. So I remember remember remembering it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, my barriers just went up straight away just because of the reaction I got then. And obviously the old sort of very now derogatory term, sex change, Mm was a very negative thing back then it had very negative connotations so there was i would just thought i'm not putting myself through that people and would just there's think, a lot of fear even for parents trying to yes. protect their kids yeah. or thinking of you know that that would be a, a dangerous or a scary journey yeah exactly yeah for them yeah but, i mean what was your your family or your culture like just as far as um you know stigma or being liberal or talking or that sort of thing um I'd say they're pretty much in the middle. They weren't one way or the other. Sure. But we didn't talk about it because from then on I shut up about it. Right. It so did, you made a choice. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, there was something that happened a little bit later on. So I knew that they knew as a teenager because of puberty and stuff and problems that I had. But again, it just, I never spoke to them about it. And so it just, it wasn't spoken about. I kept it to myself, which is obviously one of the hardest things to do because if you share problems, yeah. it's... Yeah. It releases it, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely exactly. releases yeah. it. And and then if you don't share the the shame around it or the making it an even bigger deal, yeah. it just kind of grows and grows, doesn't Definitely. it? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was massive. I mean, I used to I went through times. You know, you might, as especially as a child, have friends, best friends, and you share some of your top secrets. Sure. But this wasn't because. I'd had that where you tell a friend something and then you break up with them or or you drift apart or for whatever reason. And I just thought, I'm not trusting anyone with this because if I don't tell anyone, they can't tell anyone else. So it just felt too risky. Yeah. So. And so what was that experience growing up like? Uh, it was hard. Yeah. Really hard. Yeah. Um, because what I think people don't realise is you think of the physical body, mm-hmm. which is obviously what the main issue is physically, but there's so much more to it than that. It's not just you know, the shape of your body and there's to do with the social aspects and what clothes you can wear. And so for me... It's even, like how you express yourself. Yeah, like exactly. all aspects of yeah. how you show Mannerisms, up in the world. Yeah. Even, even the way people speak. Men and women tend to speak quite differently mm. in cer- different circumstances anyway. Yeah. And I actually... What I find quite interesting was that as a child, I used to want to play with the boys and I did before school. Then you get to school and you get that, mm, they want to touch the boys, they want to touch the girls. Yeah. And everything kind of separates. So I yeah. kind of got forced into, just from a social aspect, playing with the girls more. And then as you get, as I got older, I felt like I didn't really fit in with the guys, obviously because I physically wasn't one. Yeah. I always say that I, I was one, I was born a boy. Of but, course. Because I, I think gender comes from the brain, not the body. Yeah. But, um, and so slowly, it's like conditioning 
I I learned to hang around with the other women and you know with that sort in of in order of to people. belong and fit in, yeah. which is so yeah. crucial at that yeah. age. It's survival, right? Yeah. Primal instinct. Yeah. yeah. And then the more you do it, the more you get accepted into that community, and the, the easier it becomes. Until yeah. it became much easier, and I'd look at say a table of you in a pub or something, yeah. uh, a table of guys, and I just think I wouldn't I wouldn't feel comfortable trying to fit in with them now. So, but that's only because of how I was born. Obviously, mm-hmm. if I'd been born physically male, then I'd have gone that route and that would have all been fine. You would have had all the conditioning yeah. and the norms around yeah. experiencing yeah. life in that way. And then I also find that all the problems in life used to come back to being transgender. So How so? Um, well, one of, one of the biggest ones, I think, was because I'd see all my friends getting, like, having relationships, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, yeah. and I didn't until much older. Sure. Because I was a little bit odd, obviously. Not not odd. People liked me as a friend. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, as I'm actually a gay male, so yeah. I would find that, you know, a, a gay guy wouldn't have liked me because I was physically female, but the straight guys didn't like me because I was too much of a tomboy, mm-hmm. which is how I coped living as a I tomboy. I was wondering if that's yeah. how you expressed it so, yourself. Yeah, so it just made it really difficult in that terms. But then whenever something happens, you feel lonely and you've got no, no mm. one to share. So you're seeing all your friends sort of having, you know, initially just lighthearted relationships, exploring and stuff. And then as I, as I got older and older, they'd be getting married and having kids. And I was missing out on all that. And But then if ever I had a problem, whatever it was, I was lonely. Mm. And so it just, and why was I lonely? Why did I not have a partner? Because I was transgender. So, so I see what you mean. So it all kind of goes yeah. back to... Even if it's the problem itself wasn't related to that. And there's, there's probably 20 examples like that, that it all stems back to that. And then every single day, um, I've just been, just been writing about this actually, how being misgendered, how it affects you. And one of my coping strategies was, I'd, I'd to say I was thirsty and I wanted to go and, into a shop and buy a can of Coke. Yeah. I'd Simple. sort of, yeah. as a day-to-day thing, yeah, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I'd kind of ration with myself and say, right, well, it doesn't matter now whether I'm male or female. How I feel, it doesn't change anything. I'm thirsty, I need a drink. That wouldn't be any different. Yeah. I'm going to walk into the shop. The, cust- the person behind the till will serve me. That doesn't make any difference. Yeah. And words are only words. So if he says sir or madam or he or she, I quite often would get gendered as a boy. And when I was younger, it changed as I got older. Um, it didn't make any difference to me. I'd get my drink and I'd quench my thirst. But are you saying you had to do a, almost a conscious process yeah. in your head yeah. of working through that? Yeah, I'd have to rationalise with myself and yeah. say, this, this, is, this is actually reality and it, it's not that bad. Because what might have happened but, otherwise? Getting well, overwhelmed with it? or Yeah, well, that's what I say. Because at the end of the day, I kind of convinced myself that that's how things were, but obviously they're not. And right. yeah. I know how stress builds... Um, and causes sort of yeah develops into mental health problems absolutely and i kind of think we've all experienced it probably where you stub your toe and i'll come back to the drink thing in a minute yeah, yeah sure um if you're having a really good day it's like ow 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 that hurts yeah but if you're in a really you've had a really bad day now your dog's just died you've yeah. broken up or bad and you, whatever's happened oh. and you stub your toe you're just going to burst into tears yes been there it feels so much worse feels like the world is against yeah. you and yeah. yeah it's just the final yeah. straw yeah. yeah and that's just a bad day so yeah. imagine when your whole life's been like that and you've got every single day 
there's things being you know with the pronouns that are being used on you the clothes you're having to wear family saying why don't why do you why do you cut your hair so short mm. why don't you wear makeup it's just these things build and build and build over a whole lifetime so you walk into that shop and the shop assistant says can i help you madam and it just it just digs at you and it reminds you again so if you're having a bad day and you're feeling a bit dysphoric you looked in the mirror and you just thought oh, i hate the shape of my body mm-hmm that happens and it reminds you of how you felt this morning and it just brings back it floods all those memories back every single thing that to do with any simple interaction can can flood that whole kind of sense of trauma or inauthenticity or frustration being pissed off like the whole the whole list of them which can obviously you know for i was i was quite lucky in terms of managing to cope and deal with things quite well but there is a lot of mental health problems because of the stress are, yeah. with transgender people, which typically clears up post-transition as long as they're accepted. If they have problems with family rejecting them or not passing and walking down the road and you know people ridiculing them, then obviously that's still stressful. But if for a lot of people who pass, then all the stresses have gone and they're now happy. So what do you, so, so is it, what do you think it is? It's just the living in limbo, not fully being yourself, uh, maybe maybe toying with the decision uh, and being in yeah. sort of inner conflict as well. Well, I never... I, I made my mind up that I was never going to act on this from that very early age. I just thought, nope, it's too risky. You know, that would, to it cope. would ruin my life if mm. I was rejected by everyone. And I just couldn't so live like that. that fear is too great. It is just massive fear. That yeah. you'll just be shunned yeah. from all of your closest people. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and you're already experiencing loneliness. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because you can't share things. So yeah. all you can imagine is loneliness times a thousand. Yeah, exactly. Right? If you're yeah, yeah. rejected. I never thought of it like that, yeah. 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 So there was never thoughts. I just, I thought I was doing a very good job of coping. And well, you obviously were. You, you were surviving... Yeah. in your, the best yeah. way yeah. that you could yeah. but I imagine it led somewhere yeah so eventually I started looking well when I was a child I didn't know what hormones could do mm. so that was the other reason I thought I don't want to do this because again you've heard of the operation yeah, yeah, yeah. and I thought okay so they'll do some surgery on me and I'll be left with a scarred body that's kind of mm. been now deformed almost but it'll still predominantly have a female hourglass Yep. shape I was never massively hourglassy but yeah, yeah, you yeah. get the gist and then and I'd still have this female body with scars and that wasn't what I wanted but right, I didn't sound yeah, aspirational no exactly no. <laughs> so I'd rather and I was quite I was blessed to have a nice female body you know yeah. my sisters were quite jealous oh, really? of me and um so you didn't feel blessed though I no imagine. no I hated it no. yeah so I um Back then, that was because I didn't realise what hormones did. Mm. So, and there was no internet, so I couldn't look anything up. <gasps> I can't, uh, we can't even imagine that yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. kids these days can just research anything, anything. And you see them researching things around mm. self-harm or, or suicide yeah. or... Yeah, and not necessarily in a healthy way. That's a whole other debate, right? Yeah. But at least you have a source if yeah. there's nobody... Even you have private chat rooms that yeah. you could get support in yeah. certain things. There's lots you, I'm on now, yeah. If you had no one to talk to. Yeah. So you had none of that. You didn't yeah. know about hormones. You yeah. had no one to ask. Yeah. And, you know, even nowadays, people that aren't involved in transgender people have no idea what hormones do and how effective they are and how they change your body. So I then discovered hormones. How old were you? Through, so as um, an adult or as a I, Yeah, this was, this was as an adult. Yeah. I, don't, I can't remember when. 
but I started seeing the first few people that were coming online and kind of doing video diaries of their transition. Yeah. And I'm seeing, obviously I was looking at the female to male people. Yeah. And I'm seeing them, their voices break, mm. growing facial hair, getting muscles, mm -hmm. fat redistributing. Mm -hmm. The whole shape of your face just changes. Um, bad things going bald. Yeah. So oh. Hoping won't happen, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that was even, because I'd made up my mind, I'd already kind of put my foot down, put my barriers up. That was even more painful because now I'm seeing what was possible. Right. Whereas before, I literally, I thought it was a bit like trying to bring someone back from the dead. It's just not possible. Yeah. So now I'm realizing, hang on a minute. Some that's people amazing. have done this yeah. and are doing it. And yeah. I wanted it and I wanted it. Wow. And then I'd go through phases where I'd look and then I'd kind of walk away from it. And then I'd look and walk away from it. And about a year before I started transition, I was going up every evening after work. I'm sitting in my office at home mm -hmm. looking at YouTube clips of people transitioning and it was getting more and more obsessive and taking up more and more of my time and becoming more and more painful and difficult to deal with the fact that I couldn't do it. And then I started realising that in fact the world had changed mm -hmm. and that people were a lot more accepting mm -hmm. but um, I still had my barriers up so I couldn't... You hadn't Yeah, I hadn't. Your yeah, own thinking around yeah. it. I was still stuck in the 70s and 80s yeah. when I was a kid. Um, so I explored it more and I spoke to a few people. And what I find really interesting is I'd speak to people and a lot of them, because most people have quite, a, especially I think female to male, have quite a, not an easy ride, but you know, it all goes well mm -hmm. and people are accepting and their, their parents don't reject them. It does okay. happen. But a lot of the people I spoke to were like, no, 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 it's fine. Everybody's been great. You'll be fine. But there's this big thing that you can see that, that that's the case for lots of people. But you think for yourself, yeah, but that's not my parents. It'll that's not my friends. It, it won't happen for me. Yeah. That can't happen. Yeah. And fear is too big. Yeah. And you just think you're different to everybody else. It's okay for them, but that's not you. And, um, but it just got to the end where I thought, hang on a minute. I think I need to go and speak to someone professionally, even if just to learn better coping strategies to live yeah. as female. Yeah. Um, and so I looked, I did a, I don't do anything without researching. So I found a gender specialist, wow. a psychotherapist, counsellor. Yeah. And the fact that the, I picked the phone up to try and book that, um, which was actually through a gender clinic, mm -hmm. which wasn't how you booked. And so they just said, oh, you need to contact him direct. Have you got the number yet? Blah, blah, blah. Put the phone down. And I almost burst into tears at that point. Not because of what they said, but just the, the I picked the phone of, up. Yes. Um, I, it wasn't the first. I, I'd spent 10 years with my partner who had known. I hadn't told him, but he guessed right from male when partner. we first met. Yeah, a male yeah. partner. Yeah. And, and he you were just, female, yeah. Yeah, he asked me outright. And I just was like, yeah and that was a very emotional moment obviously right. because that's the first time i'd said and i didn't say it he said it to me but from then on i've had somebody to share some of my problems with mm. any social occasion that comes up and i don't know what clothes to wear i've got someone that understands where that's stemming from and can mm -hmm. help me find something that i'm at least not quite so uncomfortable in sure. so um he was the only one that knew but other than that this was the first time i'd taken a step to tell someone that's huge. And yeah, it was just, I can't describe how I felt when I put the phone down. It was massive. So I then... How old were you at that point? I was 38. 38, yeah. okay. Um, 
So I then phoned the counsellor himself, mm-hmm. and that, that one was much easier, having already taken that step. Sure. It was very... I wouldn't have anticipated the emotional side behind doing that. But um, so I, I made the appointment, I went and saw him, and that first 50-minute session, he just knocked my barriers down, <gasps> which was so, so liberating. Yeah. Which I still, yeah... <laughs> What, what did he do? Like, what do you mean? You know, like he just showed you that there was a different perspective on um, things. Yeah, I mean, part of it obviously is just was going through my story and my background. Mm-hmm. But I know I still remember they talk about the therapeutic moment, mm-hmm. the exact thing that 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 triggered it. There was lots of little things, of course. but the main one was my fear of what people would think of me. And obviously, as you get older, you meet more people and you've got more acquaintances in your life even if you don't see them every day. Sure. Um, so the, the amount of people that I would have to have come out to and would know my deepest, darkest secret was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just couldn't face... So it would feel the, like a bigger yeah. and bigger deal. But the thing he said was, he was talking about my guitar school at the time and how it would work and stuff. And he said, you know, you start taking hormones, yep, you have to tell everyone. You may lose a few clients, which mm-hmm. in fact I didn't. Um, and then you'd get new people coming in. And he explained that at first there might be a little bit of almost Chinese whispers where people go, have you heard this? Did you know this? Sure. He said, but given time, eventually, you'd have lots of new people coming in. You'll be passing who will have only ever known you. I didn't have a name then, but I'll say Matt because I am Matt. Who will have only ever known you as Matt. And to me... It would be like the new normal. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, why didn't... If I'd done this 20 years ago, I'd be there now. And life would be okay because nobody would need to know. And that was, that was the thing that did it for me mm. because I thought, okay, I might go through traumatic times. For me, I had a year in my head yeah. and obviously nothing's that simple. No. But I thought, but okay. Nothing that big is that no, simple, no. no. So I thought, okay, well, in a year's time, I've just got to put up with whatever rubbish life throws at me. But it's like I can worth get it. through it. Yeah. yeah. And then when I get to the other side, that's it, I'm on the other side. So, so that it was, allowed you to think that it wouldn't be like some torturous thing forever. Yeah. But like a transition yeah. time mentally yeah. as well, where your friends would kind of evolve and maybe yeah. the dust would settle and yeah. then you would be you. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just amazing. And what I find quite interesting is that it wasn't that simple. It wasn't that easy. Of course. <laughs> but it, I'm glad that I thought it was because if not, I wouldn't have done it. And obviously the benefits, you know... The, the negatives are like 1%, the benefits are 99%. So even though it wasn't quite as I anticipated, because, you know, four years down the line, I still bump into people that I knew from before. And if it's in front of a load of people that don't know, because mm. I'm actually, I'm not out in a lot of my personal life at home, even though I'm out right. speaking about this. Yeah. Um, and just because I'd like to be, and I can, so why not? Um, it can be quite awkward sometimes. Sure, where people are trying to yeah. put two and two... And there's still problems, you know, there's big debates all around the world, especially in America, but the toilet debate. Mm. And, yeah, what, again, people... Like in schools and... and yeah, work, or just yeah, public, ha- yeah, public, yeah, public bathrooms, toilet, yeah. yeah. And what people that are do, saying things don't realise is how difficult it is for a transgender person to use a public space like that. Mm. It's far more distressing for them than it is for the other Anyone people. Else. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, as a child, I was a tomboy. And a lot of the time I looked like a boy. People thought I was a boy, even though I wasn't trying. I just was myself. Mm-hmm. I coped by living an- androgynously in yeah. jeans and a T-shirt. Yeah. 
And so I'd go into a ladies' toilet and just get stared at. Okay, and the, even then? Yeah, and yeah. a couple of people would kind of look at me or even say something, where you see people okay, sort of taking a step back and looking up and at, at the walls as if... checking Are they in the right, yeah, right, right place? Which yeah. there's no signs on the inside of toilets. No. I don't know why they're trying to look. It's but, just panic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's weird. And it's horrible because what you do, something's a human right. You should, especially in a, a country like England, right. no one should have to go out and not have access to a, a toilet. Um, but you don't. I would just hold it. I'd have to be really, really desperate. And from a from a physical point, that's not healthy for no. you because that can do all sorts of damage. Um, and so, it's, uh, I'm just. It's so interesting to hear the the detail of the daily experience. Yeah, it's because more than, yeah, because I yeah. you know working in the mental health space, of course, my what I imagine is very much the inner conflict and uh, you know the the. Uh, rationalizing as you talked mm. about with the drink you know let, let me just work this out in my head or giving up and accepting that this will never be for for you sort of that yeah. inauthenticity and that conflict but there's this whole other layer right of yeah. just day-to-day yeah. interaction with people the pro- yeah. pronouns how they treat you yeah. um, without even realizing it but yeah. you're left with I don't know like a chipping away yeah. at yeah. confidence, at belief, yeah. at, you know, knowing your place in the world, yeah. uh, having a sense of purpose or a right to be here, you know, like that whole thing is yeah. just huge. Yeah, it's massive. So I'm curious about the transitioning bit and yeah. what you're doing now, but I'm also curious about the, what, 20 years of adult life, right? Yeah. Something like that. Um, trying to keep all of this inside and as we know stress does build yeah and i'm just wondering you you ended up telling a partner um after some time and him coming to you you about it i'm just wondering how dark it got or how you how you managed with did you experience depression did you isolate or were you just so good at showing up as a woman i think it got easier as as i got older but then in some ways it got harder until eventually I burst and had to do something about it. But um, as a child, it was really difficult. And I would say, I'm glad that I didn't have enough guts because I didn't want to be alive. Mm. So I spent most of my childhood, I would cry myself to sleep many nights and pray that I'd wake up and be a boy in the morning. And, you know, I'm not stupid, but there's something in you that just wishes that that would happen and then you wake up in the morning and you're not and how disappointment (laughs) every Mm. single morning yeah um and birthdays they always say blow your candles out make a wish you're not allowed to tell anyone what that wish is because it won't come true so that was my wish i could yeah i could get away with wishing that because i didn't have to tell anyone what it was i'd always wish i could be a boy one day wow and um what was the question? <laughs> well, I'm wondering... My brain goes off on... Yeah, no, I, yeah. I was wondering how, how dark it got oh, yeah, and yeah, what yeah, the yeah. challenges were So, um, I, you know, I honestly thought to myself that I would rather not be alive. Yeah. And I wish I'd never been born. Mm. Which for many years, I decided I didn't want kids because I did suffer from depression quite badly. And I know, like, that it can be hereditary and stuff like that. So I just thought, I'm, I, I'm not going to do that to my own child and put them through that. I wouldn't have been able to carry a child anyway because mm. the thought of that scared me. Because right. um, obviously that's a very female thing to go through, Apparently. nine months of carrying a child. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah, I, I would say I was suicidal, but not brave enough to act on it. And then I learned to cope. And if did, I, you, did you 
get help? I know it all comes back to transgender, like you said, mm, yeah. but were there any behaviors at school or as a young adult that other people around you could see that you were depressed or suicidal or, you know, were you ferried off to counselors to try and support that yeah. side of things? Because sometimes we go, here's the problem, let's yeah. fix that without maybe understanding. What the deep problem yeah. is. Um, not as such. There was a little area, which I'll talk about, mm. but I, I hid things really well. So Master people didn't, yeah. yeah, and it's like speaking to my parents more recently now, obviously they know about this. Mm-hmm. They knew that there were issues there, but they thought I'd grown out of it. <clears throat> and the fact that I was being such a tomboy, um, I rode a motorbike, yeah. I like martial arts, I do judo, jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And they thought that that was like, my dad said, I thought you were fulfilling those male needs that you had and that I'm that was enough for you. Activities. And mm. they feel guilty almost for not trying to help me sooner. But what happened basically was, if you imagine trying to go through the wrong puberty, so for me... Puberty's hard anyway, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I couldn't cope. Getting a, your period Yeah, and that's all the that biggest stuff? thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So, you know, as a male, mm. bleeding once a month was extremely traumatic, yeah. which obviously the stresses of that actually make that particular cycle yeah. worse. Yeah. So I was bleeding very heavily which made it even harder to cope with. I couldn't leave the house sometimes because I'd be on the toilet once every hour. Mm. I'd find it hard to get through lessons at school, so I was having time off school. And uh, my mum, I've, I've read my notes since because I asked my, for a copy of them. Um, it says in there that my mum described me as hysterical <gasps> and almost like Jekyll and Hyde, yeah. that I'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. And that time of the month, just yeah. complete depression and I just physically could not cope with that. Yeah. And well, so, mentally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would just trigger everything, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was actually, I was passed on to a counsellor at my GP service, which the first time I didn't want to go because I was not talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I that's remember, scary then when you're now yeah. professionals, you think that yeah. someone could find you out, right? Yeah, yeah. And that my parents were going to push me towards that was scary. And I remember thinking, I was saying, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And luckily they cancelled the appointment because I was literally not going to run away as such, but I had a plan to go to the local woods and spend the night there so they couldn't find me, so they couldn't take me. Desperation. Which, yeah, at the age of, what, 14, that's not a very safe thing to be doing. Um, So they cancelled that and then rebooked it and I went and spoke to someone. And they, there was a little bit inside me that wanted it to come out because I wanted help. But it was almost like I wanted them to pull it out of me, almost force it which obviously counselling isn't like that. It's all about what you want to talk about and they don't sure. necessarily be too forceful. But um, it did come out eventually after much. Did it? Yeah. With a counsellor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there were some little hints of it. And I still remember this. They passed me to a psychiatrist, again at my GP surgery, who I only saw two, maybe three times, I can't mm-hmm. remember. And she was lovely and referred me straight away to a gender clinic, which there was only one psychiatrist in the UK that dealt with stuff like this. I remember seeing him on TV. Mm -hmm. And I I felt such utter relief that finally I was going to get help. I didn't know what. you were still a teenager. Yeah, yeah. because I didn't know about hormones. I didn't want to transition. So I don't know what, but I just thought they'd wave a magic wand and make something go away. Great. Um, So we went a few times up to London, but the psychiatrist that I saw there, the only one that dealt with this was horrible. And I still... When I started teaching guitar, I'm trying to think how old I was, 10 years or so later, yeah. I still found it difficult to sit in a chair opposite someone because of the silences that he had in that session. 
and he'd say, I think these silences are important. But all I was sitting there was like, you know, twiddling my fingers going, say something, say something, say yeah, something, yeah, say something. Yeah. I was supposed to be processing what we'd just spoken about, yeah. but I wasn't. So I didn't think he was a very good psychiatrist. So he clearly well, and couldn't... To, <laughs> to be fair, I hear, because I've worked with young people and yeah. people who've had experiences of psychiatrists, there yeah. can be such a clinical approach yeah. that it just feels like there's no empathy yeah. and like care and humanity yeah. for what somebody might be going through, even yeah. though they know all the shit in their head, mm. you know? Yeah. And so if I ever work with other counselors or even youth workers or trainers or whatever, it's like, you can, you can, we can teach you what you need to know, but yeah. I need somebody who's got empathy and connection yeah. and just yeah. really is on that person's side. Yeah. That's harder to teach. Yeah. Right? Yes. I think they te- if someone, even if they have it, they teach it out of them because you get so cerebral, you like get disconnected yeah. from your... Yeah. Becomes oh. too clinical. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there's this whole like, you shouldn't get attached. And, but in a way, you need to be attached in the moment. In I, that session, I feel yeah. like there's healthy ways of attaching yeah. to the person to support their journey mm. without, um, you know you've got to look after yourself as well if you see client after client after client, but not if you're going to put walls up. Anyway, yeah. personal rant, yeah. psychiatrist, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So I, I personally think that did me a lot of harm. Yeah, and then we you missed, wouldn't want to go to help again. Yeah, and we missed an appointment, and I yeah. wasn't going to chase that up. Yeah. But again, I remember being given a little leaflet that said gender identity on it, okay. and I knew that my parents were given one, but I never spoke to my parents about it. So I knew in the background of my mind that that they knew that there was this was issue was there, but again they, in hindsight now, thought I'd grown out of it, so it was never t- touched again. So even though they got this leaflet, yeah, they didn't feel like that might be just for checking in. Yeah, I guess maybe like, they. I mean, things were very different back then, still. Of course. So it wasn't like now. Yeah, yeah. And so it was a big thing. It was a big deal back then. Of course. And also, I imagine that they probably thought, well, we've got professional help. Yeah, yeah. So we'll leave it to them. That person will help. Yeah, and do but then that fell apart, which I was quite glad about because yeah. I hated going, literally. Yeah. And um, life then carried on as normal. So it was almost like Struggling. a little bit of a blip. Yeah. Where there was a bit of help sort of thrust upon you, and then you were like, fuck well, this, I'm not doing not that. Not even anymore. help as such. There no. was a glimmer that there might be some help, but it never materialized. Or that they might just... I imagine the experience is that there's something wrong with you as well. Yes. Like yeah. you're going to be fixed by professionals rather than yeah. this is the way I was born, this yeah. is the journey I'm on. Someone just help me understand yeah. what yeah. I can do. Yeah. And wow. there is, yeah, there's, you just reminded me of something that I'd quite like to mm. sort of say because I think this is really important, sure. which is what gender is. Because a lot of the people that don't understand it say, you know, you've got someone that's transitioning and they'll say, oh, you'll never be a real man or a real mm. woman. And they're confusing the physical side of things. One, they don't understand that hormones will actually... Can help the physical yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. And so if someone looked at me now, there's no way, obviously, I yeah. can't be seen on a recording, but you can see me. Absolutely. And no one's going to gender me female ever. No. And I know no. that. I'm confident Absolutely. with that. Yeah. Um, but that's hormones. Yeah. And how it's changed my Incredible. body. Yeah. So yeah. when you see someone before they've started hormones, people can't, they don't have enough insight or even imagination as to what that person will look like in a year or two. But just the other thing in terms of being a real man or a woman, I just, my, my biggest example is if we take you, yeah. right, and we force you, we tie you down yes. and we force you to undergo gender reassignment. So we give you hormones, yeah. we give you all the surgeries that are possible and yeah. turn you so you look masculine. Physically, you sound masculine, 
Do you feel like a guy? No. Would you feel like a guy? No, my no. brain would still yeah. think in a different way. Yeah. I would still be nurturing, and not that men can't be nurturing, but you know, with yeah. my kids or um, yeah. you're the same person, basically. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. torture. Yeah, exactly, and right? that's how we're born. Um, and then the other side to look at is if if a woman has breast cancer and has to have mastectomies or a mastectomy, um, that doesn't make you any less of a woman. No. So lots of people go, oh, you know, if you, if you're born with a penis, you're a man, and if you're not, then you're not. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. But it's just like it's not the physical. You know, what I find interesting is if you think of soldiers when they stand on landmines, we often see about them losing legs. They obviously don't talk about private areas, mm. but a lot of the time their genitals are also damaged mm. or completely lost. And a lot of the surgery that trans men have was developed for soldiers in that situation. Was it? But it doesn't make them any less of a man. No. So it isn't what physically you have it just isn't and that's why it's such an in, innate thing for a transgender person it's not something that grows it doesn't develop they are mentally born male or female but their body doesn't match so which, it's all as you said at the beginning it's your brain it's yeah, how you think how yeah. you process how you speak yeah how your identity yeah. who you feel yourself to be yeah and that's i think because it took me a while and it was actually my partner that kept saying that to me before i got that because mm. I would say I was born female. I used to be a woman. Right. But I never, ever was a woman. No. Never. And you were born into a female body. Yeah. Yeah. But that isn't what makes you male or female. And so I've always been male. And it just, it is. That's so and, useful for people to yeah. learn about and understand yeah. your work. And again, so when people say, oh, but they're too young, you're born with it. So you're never too young. And in fact, if you can treat sooner... This is one of my rants and one of the things Ooh. that I hope will move forward is to do with hormone blockers mm -hmm. um, where you can actually stop the wrong puberty. So one of my biggest things is I think no trans man should have to have scars on their chest and no trans woman should have to live with a man's voice because the voice is irreversible once it breaks. Mm. Um, and that can be stopped with blockers. There are potential things you need to look out for with development and stuff like that but um lots of people obviously again they they have a very negative reaction which is why one of the reasons i think society stops things like that going forward but um what they don't realize is that there's a very big safety net in place and there's a, an endocrinologist called norman spack who's very big on promoting this and he's done a lot of treating and research into yeah. it. And there's a really good um, TED Talks of him explaining this. Okay. Saying that um, once ch some children do go through cross-gender play and dressing and things like that, right. and it can be a phase. Yes. And that's what people fear. How yeah. do you know that it's just not a, a phase? parent would say, yeah. what if we go through all this thing and then the kid changes it their mind? Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's traumatizing and on and a different level. And you've done irreversible harm. Yes. But... Um, they won't actually treat you until you're an adult, but the and the blockers all they do is postpone puberty. Oh. So you you know you start as the child is approaching puberty, you give them blockers, you you just put it on hold. And what he says, Norman Spack, is that by the time a child reaches puberty, yeah. if they're still saying that they're in the wrong body, it's almost certain, and those are his words, um, that that child is transgender. So by the time and it they. You don't get hormones at puberty. You get it at 16 or 18, which is usually you've gone through puberty by then. And let's say if it was wrong and it was a phase, they have counselling and 
it's discovered, no, actually, I'm quite happy as I am, then you take them off the blockers and they go through their normal puberty. So there's no so there's, harm there's done. no world where this is any kind of rush decision yeah. or any yeah. professionals yeah. would would rush it along. Yeah. However, you can manage it yeah. so that there is less damage to yeah. to somebody. Which, when you think of all the things that that are irreversible that happen through puberty, mm. so your height is different. So men right. obviously grow a lot taller. Yeah. Um, for for trans women, there, you know, if, if you've got someone who's six foot eight with huge manly hands and yeah. a massive Adam's apple and a really deep voice, yeah. they're going to find life quite tough. Yes. Well, there's another aspect about it's not all about passing, but that's, you know, it's nice to pass, but it shouldn't just be about that if society was more accepting. But obviously we'd all like to pass, so why not stop that happening? And then for um, trans men, we'd hopefully grow a little bit taller. Mm-hmm. Our hips wouldn't get wider because mm-hmm. um, that's all hormonal through puberty. Uh, our voices would break at the right time other than later and we wouldn't grow breasts mm. so we wouldn't need the surgery for that to have yeah. um, breasts removed so it would just be amazing basically but if you think they're, they're worried about harm which is highly unlikely to happen and yet think how much harm they're doing by making all these transgender people go through the wrong puberty in the first place and then have to have all these medical interventions that aren't perfect. Mm. So that's one of my, I just, if people were more educated and knew the ins and outs of this, there are, let's say, there are problems with um, other developmental things. And if you're on it for a long time, because you're not, you're not being fed any hormones, there's problems with osteoporosis, things like that. But obviously, you know, there's ways around that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it just needs a bit more, I think it needs a bit more understanding. Completely. Yeah. So, so move us back to sort of the more recent years where um, you said, if it, what did you say? Uh, if you knew how hard it would be, you didn't say exactly yeah. that. If you knew how hard it would be, maybe you wouldn't have started on the path. Yeah. You were kind of happy. You were a little bit naive and just yes. maybe relieved. Yeah. You were so relieved that you held on to the hope that this yeah. was going to be the thing. Yeah. Um, and as you said, 99% amazing, but the transition kind of period of adjustment was maybe more than a year. Yeah. Or just tell us a little bit it's about how ev- you've... Not even that. It, there is, it was more than a, more than a year because it's ongoing. Yeah. But it's almost, I kind of likened it to, I imagined, right, I'm female now and I'm going to be male. And then people will come in and as I say for my counsellor, no one would know and that's it, I'm now male. Yeah. But... I've lived for 39 years yes. with a female body, yeah. socialised as female, yeah. and that does have an, an effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm quite lucky that I'm not, I don't feel like I, I feel obliged to, you know, grunt and be manly. Sure, um, you know, don't that. have to fart and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Um, I'll just be myself. And yeah. I'm quite, I think some of that's probably age and confidence. Yes. But psychologically, mm. I can't delete those years. And what I find weird is when I look at other trans people, especially trans men, because I see a lot more trans men than trans women because mm-hmm. of my, the community I hang out in, mm-hmm. I'd look at someone that I didn't know pre-transition and I'd just think, that's a guy. I see them as a guy and they'll make a comment about a toilet being difficult or something and you think, but why? Right. And then as you go through it, you realise why, that it's not actually that black and white. You can't delete those things. There's always going to be issues and one of my biggest issues is how out to be to those around me Mm. because there's a little bit of me having had to tell my whole secret to literally hundreds if not a thousand or more people it's quite nice that someone doesn't know 
and that you that, can just that be history that. isn't yeah. attached yeah. to it you can which, just be yeah which is why even though I'm out trying to speak on stages I don't you know I, I still have a list I'm holding on to something inside just a little bit close to me at home yeah but then there's problems with that because I'm hiding something Mm, and it's like I feel inauthenticity like, in another yeah, way yeah which we know isn't great for your mental health yeah it's yeah i've heard it like you come out and you think oh relief and it's like coming out of one closet and into another <laughs> and so you've got all these secrets and you, you still can't, have history and, yeah and someone will say something but i cope with it now because it's quite nice i've got a few people that know and i can talk about it yeah so i don't have to hide things and i've got a few people that don't so i can just be mad now, neither of those two relationships in themselves is complete because mm-hmm. each of them has an advantage and a disadvantage. But you're still getting what you need. And I get the best of both worlds. Yeah. But And then I also, I find it quite funny. I've had some funny comments, you know, people sort of say, uh, I've had someone, in fact, I was at work and I was vacuuming and one of the parents of my, my school said, oh, that's what I like to see, a man with a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and you just have to bite your tongue and... <laughs> be like yeah <laughs> there's just other times yeah you and i spent 39 years yeah yeah and people just say a comment that, that you know it's quite common you know you wouldn't understand you're a man you know period right. pain or this or that and it's quite funny <laughs> and it's i think it's even funnier actually if there's someone in the room that knows as well because you, you secretly can share share that joke with each other <laughs> so there's surprising challenges just around habits yeah because yeah. um, you would habitually go into the female bathroom i imagine well, I'd, I'd always avoid it, so that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... But even now, that's another... Like like I say, I thought it would be perfect, so I pass, so I can go into a gent's toilet, no problem. But there's always ang- still anxiety. What if I walk in there and I see an old guitar student that I mm. taught from years ago that doesn't know I've transitioned? Mm. And it's quite funny, because gender is... You get a lot of people that... Some people can see it and some people can't. But if you get to know a person, they just become that person. Yes. So someone that knew me from before might see me. And other than the fact that now I've got a little bit of facial hair, mm-hmm. they'd still see the old me. And they yeah. might not read me as a male. Yeah, and So if true. they bump into me in Your the toilet... Your brain fills in the blanks, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Um, you'd, we'd go crazy if we took in every bit of detail. Too so much, yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so there's, there's anxieties around that. There's stuff like at the moment... I um I use a cubicle, mm-hmm. and if I was in an office, which I'm not at the moment, um, and was going to the toilet every day, and there's people that didn't know, would they query why I was doing that, and why maybe I took a bit longer than most guys that can just walk in and come straight back out? Mm. Um, there's just there's a million still um, one anxieties about going into a toilet, but it is 99.9% better than it was before. Well, of course. At I've least never, you're moving into living yeah. your full self and yeah. able to figure some of this stuff yeah. out. But I've never, ever, ever had anyone stare at me in a gent's toilet. No. Which I always had in a, in a woman's toilet. Yeah. And so that in itself is better. So yeah. I have no... I can now, when I'm out, go to the toilet. But initially, it's making those first steps is really scary. Of course. And I'd be out with my partner and... Are you still with your partner? Yes. I was curious. Yeah. How amazing. Yeah. Mm. Um, we'd, we'd, I'd be out and about and he would go into the toilet first and tell me how many cubicles there were because there's that fear of not knowing, walking in and being like, where do I need to go? Looking about yeah. and, you know, is there a door on the cubicle? Because sometimes in gents' toilets, no. the door doesn't lock and yeah. it swings open yeah. or there isn't a door altogether and things like that. Yeah. And it... 
now it doesn't bother me because you know I walk in I see and if that toilet isn't appropriate which doesn't happen that often I just walk straight out again doesn't matter right no one's gonna think but the fear is you must be transgender you walked out of the toilet straight away um so that's what we imagine people are thinking is worse than what they actually are the feeling of being stared at or that sort of thing definitely so I'm curious about how you manage how you cope how you manage your mental health now I know it's a completely different landscape Mm. um do you have any habits or routines that you use to just keep yourself in this optimum place where you're able to talk about this and do your follow your purpose, I guess? Yeah, um, nothing like particularly structured, mm. but everything obviously is just lightened on you know, the weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. So there's much less of a need. Yeah. And everything, it's just like being able to take a big sigh. It's, it's just amazing. Mm. The journey is, is brilliant. But the, the thing that I do find is trying to educate people and being online in the community and trying to put stuff out and reading a lot of the stuff, the, the articles mm. that come up in the news and you respond to it, they're all quite negative yeah. and it makes you quite spiky. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't think that's very healthy. Mm. So I did go through a phase where you know, there was an article on the bathroom situation or you know, it was our men invading women's spaces. It's like, no, because they're women anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is far more traumatic for that trans woman than it is for the other people in that toilet. You would get triggered by those yeah. sorts of comments and just yeah. want to... But it, it takes over. So my idea when I started trying to educate people was that what I want people to see is the good side. Mm. And remind me to come back to this because people get muddled up as to what was the good and what the bad is. Mm. Um, but you end up in a very negative, fighty type, oh, but we need this and this, yeah, is this, yeah. and it all becomes quite a negative thing. Yeah. And then something will happen and I'm reminded, oh no, actually what I'm trying to tell people is how good this is. And the, in fact, the only negative things is coping in the wrong body. So if you can come out and get treatment, mm-hmm. that goes away. And dealing with other people's prejudices. So if you could reverse that, and it's like, you know, you have a headache, it's not very nice, but you could take an aspirin and now the headache goes away. This is, in the words of a gender specialist, one of the la- one of the biggest gender specialists in the UK. I was reading an interview with him. Yeah. He says it's an optimistic field; people get better. And he said that's very unusual in psychiatry, and that's the whole. To even say that for anything. Yeah. 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 Well, is that's it, a shame? Yeah, yeah. That we can get treated yeah. and we get better, and yet the whole care path is pathologized, and you yes. have to go through yeah. so many assessments yeah. for something that is just needed. Yeah. It's mad. Yeah. So. You know, the journey itself is amazing if you get the right treatment and you get the support. And that's what I want people to understand because don't need reminding, I remembered. Yeah, <laughs> there's a brain you said in it out there. Loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, the good side. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that people always assume is the bad, the difficult things is the medical treatment. Yeah. And I think what's hap- the biggest thing that's happening there, the two things, is that people don't. Um, People generally have medical treatment for something that's bad. So they've developed something that's bad, you know, cancer or an illness or something. And so they need treatment, which can be quite a horrible process. So who will want to go through that? Right. Whereas we haven't developed something. We are like this anyway. And the treatment that we receive makes us better. It completely changes our lives for the better. So the treatment is exciting. And I I liken it to having, if you had a massive growth on your face, because people can't imagine... I had uh, my chest surgery, so I had my breast removed, mm-hmm. and people think, well, why? That's a normal 
part of a human body. But obviously, if you took David Beckham and he overnight grew breasts, he wouldn't be very happy. No. And that's how I was born. No, it would affect his whole yeah. like, identity and everything. Yeah. So if you had like a big growth on your face, and you'd want it removed. Yeah. And a surgeon comes along, and people go, "Don't worry, that's fine. No one will stare." And the surgeon says, "And they do, of yeah, course." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the surgeon comes along and says, "I can take that off for you. You know, you'll be left with a, a scar, but that's going. The scar's going to be much better." Because that's one of the negative things I hear. There's, you know, people that rant, you know, they're scarring their body and why they think this looks good when it doesn't. It looks terrible. Mm. But compared to what we had yeah. before, a scar's nothing. A scar's just a scar. We all have scars from, you know, if you have appendicitis Absolutely. or whatever. And not like, everyone sees them if you're walking yeah. down the street and, you yeah, know, you're able exactly. to, yeah. to feel more like you within yeah. your body. Exactly. So it's all a positive thing. But from the other side, I think they can't see... You know, as I said, I hid things massively. Of course. So what people don't realise is that it's not the transition and the medical treatment that's difficult. That has been an amazing dream come true experience. Yeah. But it was the first 39 years of my life that was really difficult. But so, people can't see it. No, it's, it's all so hidden. Yeah. And I mean, that's the... I mean, as, as I've said before, I was, I was raised in a, in a cult and it's not the cult that's traumatic in this case. Mm. It's the readjustment. So it is actually the opposite. Yeah. Um, be, but this, the similarity is that there's so much shame around not telling anyone that that's in your past. That yeah. As soon as you do, that's when the relief feeling comes that you're yes. talking about where yeah. you're just like, oh, I can just be myself. Yeah. And, you know, uh, mm. it's just a completely different experience. So we're coming to the end of our time. Yep. What advice would you give to, I guess, a teenager or, so, or a kid who, who maybe, I know times have changed and circumstances have changed, mm-hmm. but not everywhere. There, yeah, there's more access is, to yeah. support online, which is amazing. It means you, you don't have to sort of suffer in silence. Mm. But there's still stigma. There's still families that wouldn't accept yeah, or would want are. it to be a phase and would yep. want to shut that down. Um, completely. I mean, w- what advice would you give to that kid who, who feels like they're in the wrong body? Um, well, get try and get some help. And as you've already mentioned, online, yeah. you can you can. There's forums on Facebook and things like that where you can get advice and help. And just that to get that out, so you know that you're not alone. Um, and then you know, if you feel that you can tell your parents, then that that's an amazing thing. You know, if we've got a good friend or something like that, or a teacher at school or something. You need to act on it, yeah, um, and do something. But I'd also say the biggest thing is if if people aren't accepting, which for young people again they think you're too young, you you can't know this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So parents sometimes can be quite negative towards it. Is that sometimes it just takes time, and I've seen again with you know the community that I'm in, lots of people, young people coming through, and their parents really really struggling, and yet you then get happy post saying my mum sent me a card and it said you know brother or the son or whatever on it yeah not brother for son yeah yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) and just these little things start creeping in and I think it just takes time because one of the biggest things is we've lived with this so it's not new to us but if you drop that it's a bit can be a bit of a bombshell for your family and so be patient that yeah. they need time to adjust. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean yeah. they, they don't love you or they don't want yeah. to support you. They may just need to figure yeah. out how to manage it because yeah. they've been parenting a girl, for example. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, how do we manage parenting yeah. a boy? It's, a, it's yeah. a real adjustment yeah. for parents too. And they don't want to think like that. They yeah. just want it to stay as, as things just work. just simpler. Yeah. Secu- yeah. But 
you know, in the long term, things tend to work out. They have a habit of finding finding their way and becoming good. So that's amazing. Yeah, amazing. don't don't be scared of it. Don't be scared. Keep the hope alive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, amazing story. Thank you so Thank much you. For, for your time. If people do want to connect with you uh, online or they want to invite you for speaking, where mm-hmm. can they find you? Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and I've got a website. So uh, www.mattellison.co.uk and you've, there's contact details on there, including my, my Facebook and Twitter. Perfect. Thank you so much. We'll Thank add you that for inviting the me. Show notes. So good to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If something helped you today, please do share this episode with a friend and let them know that they are not alone. I know that for me, isolation kept me stuck much longer than I needed to be. So let's practice courage and talk to someone about what's going on, as that's the first step to making life amazing. Check out my website, petravelsboer.com, for your free Kickstarter plan, which will teach you to turn your biggest weaknesses into your greatest strengths. Join the community of people who are changing the way they view life's challenges and living life to the full. Until next time, goodbye.